Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Screen Peeking, a weekly podcast where Ziggy and I get together to talk about video games and everything video game related. Uh, it's 2021, Zig. We've made it. It is. We Finally. got through 2020. So That's happy the about that. Ever. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The the year that started very very slow where I remember every week felt like 5 months or something and then yeah. ended super fast for me. <laughs> it was so mm-hmm. weird how how everything went by. Um true, Yeah. Yeah, so today's episode is going to be fully focused on um our own me and Zig being the screen peeking crew, our <laughs> our uh, our own game awards, uh, basically looking at all the games that came out in 2020, and for me at least, and I'm sure for you too, Zig, like it's we're choosing our game of the year. We're also choosing, um, here our best story. Uh, we're having an award for best gameplay, most innovative or innovative, <laughs> most. <laughs> Anyways, uh, best indie, uh, and yeah, I already said game game of the year. So, and we're also gonna give our top five games of the year too. So, that being said, um, very excited about this. Uh, we've been kind of mm-hmm. thinking about That's it. We've it. had a couple weeks because we recorded two episodes two weeks ago, right? So, mm-hmm. at Christmas, had our holidays or whatever, and uh, yeah, ready to get back into this. So, to start it off, um. Ziggy, I really wanted to ask you, how are you liking your Xbox Series X? Because you yeah, got it. So, yeah, Christmas Eve, man. I it was supposed to come like a week from now or something, but Walmart ended up shipping it super earlier. Early, I can. Nah, no, it's fine. I was gonna say I can, like <laughs> unplug and bring it over here, but it's probably not worth it. Um, but yeah, no, it's nice. It's exactly what I was expecting and wanting, really, which is just like an Xbox One, but souped up faster, nicer. Mm-hmm. The, the quick resume is easily the standout thing for me. Um, like, I had this crazy moment the other night where um, me and Owen were playing something, and at some point we were like, yeah, let's just, like, let's play some... Oh, man, some in my throat. <coughs> anyway, we were like, yeah, let's play some Forza. Um, and so we did that, and usually Forza takes, like, a long time to load up. And not even just from loading screens, there's just a lot of, like, menus and shit to go through right. until you're finally, like, on the road driving. Um, but because I'd been playing it like a few days earlier and I like forgot that was even a thing. So I just opened the game up and like, boom, I was on the road just instantly. And it was, it was just crazy. Like just that quickly being like in and playing the game. And that was awesome. Um, the, it definitely, I've noticed the thing of like not every game supporting quick resume, but the only game I play that doesn't support is Rocket League, Hmm. which I don't really care because it's like, it's a multiplayer game. So there wouldn't really be anything for it to save anyway. Yeah. That Um, makes sense. mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of like pure multiplayer games like that didn't support it just because it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to like say, same with overwatch or something. I wouldn't really expect it. Um, But yeah, I mean, other than that, like being able to play, play Yoxa seven, which I've been playing a lot of now, now that I have the new Xbox, um, and, like, that, it'll be sometimes, like, over 30 minutes of just cutscenes, you know? And then, so, if someone messages me, <laughs> messages me like, hey, you want to play? And I'm like, yeah, like, in a while. <laughs> like, I, when I this is done. This, yeah, and then I got to finally get to a save point and be able to right. stop. Um, but being able to just be like, yeah, sure, and then boot out of there, not have to worry about it, no stress or anything. It, it feels so nice. Um, 
yeah, that, that's, def- that's definitely been the biggest takeaway. And also, I mean, menus are faster, games are faster. Mm-hmm. I keep on, like, doing things, you know, I pull up my phone, open something up, like, while I'm waiting for something to load, and then it opens up before I even, like, can do anything on my phone. But, but yeah, it's, it's been very pleasant, <laughs> a very, very pleasant experience so far. That's awesome. No, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad you finally got it. I know you were looking forward to that, <laughs> and... Yeah, being able to yeah. play Yakuza on that instead of <laughs> instead yeah, of your yeah. Xbox One or your Xbox One X. Um, it was yeah. just a regular Xbox One. Oh, it was. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's a nice jump. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty big jump. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, what have you been playing this uh, these last couple of weeks? Yeah, so I've definitely mostly been playing stuff on on the Series X. Um, Noxa 7 is the big one because I, I decided I want to stop before just like, yeah, I've played a bit. I want to like wait till I have the nicer system and play it at something higher than like 25 FPS. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it runs so much nicer. It's like a smooth 60 loading screens don't exist anymore. It's, it's glorious. Um, and I feel like I can actually like enjoy the game a little bit more for what it was because the thing that got me before is like, it, like half a cutscene would go and then it would like switch scenes in the cutscene, and then I have to wait like fifteen to thirty seconds for that next cutscene right. to load. Like it was long, and it just like broke you out of the immersion so much. Um, and then so having it playing it now, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's super fun. I know I had some gripes with the combat before, um, but now that I'm deeper into the game, a lot of those gripes are kind of going going away a bit as like my characters hmm. are leveling up. Like the weirdly difficult random encounters aren't so much of a diff- an issue anymore. Um, which is good because that was a that was a big issue of mine before, um, but yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, the other thing I've been playing a lot of is um, Devil May Cry Five Special Edition, which is just gorgeous. Like it is so pretty. Like the the original the yeah the original Devil May Cry Five already was just fucking beautiful. Like the RE engine is so gorgeous, but yeah. having it now with like ray tracing and all those other effects, it looks just beautiful. Um, and playing as Virgil in it is so much fun. Like he, for people who aren't really familiar, he is pretty much an anime villain and playing as him <laughs> makes you, I mean, it's a, it's a dumb thing, but like, it makes you feel like an anime villain with like everything from like the, like teleporting behind people and stabbing them in the back or like, right. you know, that move that's always in like samurai movies where it's like the silhouette of the samurai and they like skewer through their opponent and then it's like, the yeah, then the, the blood like, sprays out behind him. Yeah, he has that move, and it's so it just feels awesome to do. Um, and yeah, he, he's a super different, like very tactical play style, but I love it. It's it, it's awesome. Um, right. But yeah, those have been the major two. What about you? Yeah, I've uh, I've got I was playing Cyberpunk a bunch, and uh, mm-hmm. you know I beat it like we talked about last uh, last couple episodes. Uh, I got to level fifty now, and I got like fifty maxed street street cred did a whole bunch of activities side missions and stuff and then i just kind of was like i'm done <laughs> i'm done with the game like I, I don't really have a reason like it's just the same thing over and over um clearing checkpoints you know takes five seconds and side missions are just a lot of sitting there listening to people talk and most of them aren't much more than like a 10 minute like there's nothing to be invested in so mm-hmm. unless you're doing like I don't know, trying to romance someone or whatever. Like, there isn't really anything to hold on to, I find. So, I'm I, I'm sure I'll play it again in the future, but right now, with the current content, if nothing got added, which 
there's going to be stuff added, right? But if yeah, nothing yeah. got added, I would not pick it up again. And what I was tra- talking to my brother, and we can't really put into words how we feel, but we are definitely feeling, we're both feeling a little bit down on the game. And I, I say that while I, I had a blast with it when I was playing mm-hmm. for the first like 40 hours or so. I think I put on Steam it says like 96 hours or something in the game. Oh, jeez. And so I've gotten my money's worth. No problem. Oh, yeah. And for my satisfaction, I'm very happy. Like, I'm happy with the purchase. But I left the game going, ah, bummer. Like, for example, um, Katana Zero that you had me play. Mm-hmm. That game, when I finished it, I was like, man, I can't wait to play that again in the future when I'm just on a random day where I'm like, you know what, I, I want to play that. I know I'm going to have fun going back and playing it. Cyberpunk, I don't have that feeling. I'm like, I'm kind of just done with you. for like, I don't know when, if I ever want to go back. Like, <laughs> I just don't mm-hmm. see, like, I can't see how it can be fun again. Whereas like Katana Zero had that like really fun gameplay loop that I really enjoyed, fun combat and fun like just trying to beat my time or trying to do things more perfect than I did before. So I don't know, that kind of, that's how I'm feeling on that. And so then I put a little like, little up to a vote on on my uh, Instagram to see if I should play Dead Space 2 or Bloodborne next and people voted Blood or Dead Space 2. So I've been playing that on stream. Like I think I'm a chapter eight or nine right now out of 13 so not too bad um and then on my own time just like little bits here and there in the morning since i get up early and i don't really want to be streaming live when i'm and it's four in the morning (laughs) i uh (laughs) i've been playing some bioshock 2 just trying to get my platinum i i only have to beat it on i've done it before on other like on xbox or whatever but like i don't have the platinum trophy for like on playstation and I have that Bioshock collection. I was like, hey, what, what do I need on that? And I looked. I've gotten everything other than beat it on hard. So clearly I played it on easy <laughs> with the revive chambers turned off. And then did all the collectibles, did all the stuff. And now I just have to go through the game again on hard. So it's not bad. I've done it before. And so I've just been doing that on <laughs> on this side. So That's awesome. Yeah, that's been my... So in terms of Cyberpunk, would you say you still agree with the review from before? Or has your opinion, like, has your overall opinion changed? I'm trying to remember what my review was before. <laughs> I remember there's a lot of talking, a lot of positive, a lot of negative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the general consensus we had is like, it's flawed, but like we're still having a blast with it. Yeah, like I, I guess what I'll say is I, I still stand by the fact that I was having a lot of fun when I was having a lot of fun, and then once you mm-hmm. beat the game and you get to max level, I mean. It's a single player game. It has an end. You know, there's a, they had a story. Like, that's fine. I'm just, I don't have a, there isn't a gameplay loop that makes me want to go back and play it once you've cleared content, I guess, is all I'm saying. So I'm not like trying to knock it down anymore. (laughs) It's just, you know, I don't, I don't have a desire to go back and go and do the little few side missions I have left. Like, I was trying to clear every little thing on the map and then I started getting tired Mm -hmm. of it because all those, that part I would say is pretty pathetic. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I had an opinion and on it I before, but I think that's pretty fair. Like, like you said, it's a single player game. It has an end. Like the, I think like Metal Gear Solid Five. I played a shit ton of just like doing stupid, like meaningless activities, just because mm-hmm. like the core gameplay loop is so fun. But, but yeah, I mean, not every game needs to be that. Not every game needs to keep you for not every, not every single player game. You know, needs to keep you for like two hundred hours. Um, 
which I think is maybe what some people are expecting from Cyberpunk, but I, I don't think that makes it bad. I'd agree yeah. with you. Actually, I'm just right now just thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? I actually had the same feeling when I finished The Last of Us Part Two and God of War, two great games that I like actually a lot more than Cyberpunk, obviously. Like, <laughs> I, I respect the hell out of Last of Us Part Two, And so the difference with that and Cyberpunk is I same feeling in terms of I don't really have a re- reason to go back and play this. I've beaten the game. I've done all the stuff mm-hmm. that I want to do. I've kind of collected all this stuff. Why would I go back and play it? Like, unless I just want to relive the story, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The, my, the difference for me is the quality <laughs> of the game and, and the actual gameplay and what you got out of it. Like, at Last of Us Part Two and God of War did things in their each both games that were, like, so impactful for me that I was constantly going, like, whoa 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 you know and and having those feelings and and making me want to like keep playing and enjoying it just had such an impact when i finished the game like wow that was amazing and cyberpunk Mm -hmm. i was more like i guess i'll go do some more stuff and yeah that that was kind of the difference for me yeah i mean totally like when i played uh final fantasy 7 this year which is like on my top five of the year Mm -hmm. um there's the same thing where I, like I rolled credits is like that was fucking awesome and then I immediately uninstalled it like <laughs> there's just like I I wasn't gonna go and do all the side quests I wasn't gonna do all that I was like awesome I'm done like yeah that that was a great experience but yeah I I don't necessarily feel the need to come back um we should probably move on though because we got a lot to talk about in terms of awards yes 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 we should um so let's uh let's go with the game of the year last okay let's let's do that last and uh and just get started with uh our choice or well let's get started with your choice for best story this year okay 2020 so we should probably first explain like our system of how we're deciding this um so basically yeah. what we're going to do is um nick and i have both chosen our champion that we're going to to bring forth, <laughs> and then with with that champion, we're gonna have a death battle over it. So Nick and I are just gonna debate over and try to convince the other person which we think should be the winner of this category. So first category is yeah, it's gonna be best story of the year. Um, my nomination, my champion is The Last of Us Two, um, and yours is. Oh, I can't wait to debate this one. Uh, it's also <laughs> The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no surprises here. Yeah, um, that game. I mean, yeah, let, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. That game was uh, constantly, uh, like I said before, making me go, "Wow!" But the first time I saw like the close up, the like the first scenes with Joel and his guitar, and like the the detail in his face and his emotion, and just like the interaction between him and Ellie, and the they're going back and forth, and he sings that song to her right with the guitar and it was just like such an emotional thing and it was like pretty close to the right at the beginning of the game and i was like wow like that and so just one of many wows and the storytelling and the the pacing i found for a story was really good but i know a lot of people felt it was long that's fair i understand i i, I really enjoyed it um what do, what do you think of the story yeah i mean <laughs> it's my favorite story of the year <laughs> um and like i think it just did things that a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people who said that that we haven't seen in games. I would disagree. I think it just does some a lot of stuff that we don't often see in games, and especially not in a game of this budget. Like mm. the fact that this game got made is kind of amazing to me, given that they took one of the most beloved characters in games of last generation, and then 
made you hate him, made him a villain, like, and made you, or maybe not even necessarily hate him or a villain, but made you go, <laughs> yeah, oh, I this guy know. kind of sucks. Like, at the end, it was like, yeah, like, I kind of hated Elia moments. I kind of hated Jola moments. Mm. And and it, at the end, it kind of, like, it fixed some of that, but it, 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 it was a very real thing of, like, it's not often that you see stories like that in games. Like, it was... It was a story that would have won awards as a movie, and I think that's kind of rare in video games. Like, for the most part, I would say video game storytelling isn't on par with other mediums. And the fact that we had both this, and from what I hear, Kentucky Route Zero was a similar thing in that it is the quality of, like, a great American novel. Um, But it's a video game, and I would say the same thing about The Last of Us Part Two. Like, it is just phenomenal and do do you want to go into spoilers of it because i yeah. would like to for talking about yeah spoilers. yeah okay. like hey it's been so, it's the end spoilers of the year for the next while yeah um if you haven't played it or you don't want to be spoiled skip ahead um but uh like the having the game i knew joel died in the game and i knew like i had a lot of that stuff spoiled for me going in but it was a sort of thing where even knowing that all that happens it didn't affect the impact at all like i wouldn't say mm-hmm. that the actual experience was ruined or spoiled it was like i knew joel died but he died way sooner than i was expecting and i also thought ellie died for some reason i don't know why <laughs> but, <laughs> but like i think someone had told me that and that ended up not being true at all like some of the spoilers i heard were just plain false um but yeah having that like and that moment where you switch over to abby that i think a, the game lost a lot of people is what I think it achieves better than anything. Like, if that scene didn't work for you, I think that is totally fair because, like, forcing you to love a character that you hated so strongly at the beginning, you know, is hard. But I think the reason why I love this game is that it pulled it off. Like, it made me genuinely care about Abby and root for Abby. Like, I think we've talked before on here about playing the game and, like, allowing ourselves to die because we just so strongly didn't want to do what the game was asking us to do. Like that final fight with mm-hmm. Abby in the water yeah, where very, it's very asking sp- you to like push her underwater and drown her. And I'm like, I, I don't want to like, and I, I just let myself die at that moment out of just like, I don't want to do this. Like I so strongly care about Abby and Ellie. And when, and, like, when I, I was doing that part, to. When I was doing that part, Taylor was on the couch beside me. She's like, yeah, kill her. Kill her. I hate, I hate Ellie now. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, I don't want it's to. Just, <laughs> it's so powerful. And yeah, I mean, like, I definitely think I rolled my eyes a bit when it first, like, you know, when there's that final confrontation, like Abby and Ellie are seeing each other. And then it's just like, boom, flashback. I was a bit like, oh, fuck off. Like, I wanted to see that. And then. But I think that, like, that tension and that, like, frustration really, really quickly melts away into, like... Because at first, it's, it's the same thing. I think everybody that knew part... what they were doing the moment it cut away, where it's like, okay, they're going to try to make me like Abby now. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, the fact that they actually did pull it off, and I did end up adoring Abby, is just so impressive to me. That part where they switch, where she's pointing the gun, and they switch off, and then you're playing as Abby, was such a shock for me when I, and it was and it was so important i think that they did it at that point because that really 
I know a lot of people didn't like having to switch over and start. It almost feel like starting over, right? And you're playing as mm -hmm. a as Abby now, maybe a character you might not want to play as or whatever. And you're playing it for a, a, quite a while too. But like mm -hmm. the fact that it ended at that point made me really want to keep going to find out what happens, right? Like, <laughs> and did. I think that I was think important that to help push people to play as this character and start to learn this character. And mm -hmm. um, beyond beyond the game and the characters, like. I feel like the story and sh well, like showing the the different sides of things, it's just so important in, especially today, uh, with the way people are so opinionated right now and so <laughs> and very strongly op opinionated on social media, especially. And, uh, and the fact that no one's right, no one's wrong, it's just a lot of perspectives, you know? <laughs> and mm -hmm. you can't, you can't, just hate someone because they don't think the way you do <laughs> and i think that mm -hmm. i took a lot of that away from the game personally it was uh mm -hmm. yeah like you can just see one small part of somebody's life and think that they're awful all their life because of that right and you don't know how they got to that point or what caused them to get to that point or what their mm -hmm. view was like abby having to see her father get shot by joel and mm -hmm. having to like deal with that and going through her whole life and relationships and then watching her friends get killed by by ellie and yeah, things yeah. like that and you're like i just want to kill this bitch right and that's what she's yeah, like yeah. that's what abby's thinking right and then you're like all you get to see is joel getting his face beaten right uh, before and her just getting revenge for her father and i just think like man like there's way too much of people just jumping to conclusions these days and i felt like that was a uh, very very real i think that happened a lot with a lot of people a lot of people jump into conclusions as soon as they see joel getting killed they're like or even when they found out with through spoilers right there's a lot of people just jump into conclusion this game's terrible this thing you know all this stuff and it's like for me that was <laughs> almost like a holding up a mirror look at this <laughs> look at it yourself was, what's going yeah, on i agree so like I, neither, yeah. neither ellie nor abby were good people in this game <laughs> like no yeah and it's purely just who do you like more that who cares <laughs> you know this is a story and you experienced it you were there for the ride you don't get to choose <laughs> so yeah that was, that was interesting and i think that moment too like that 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 confrontation i think adds so much to the pacing and like the tension in abby's story because when she busts in like she is a demon in that moment like mm -hmm. just the sheer rage and anger on her face and like it's the sort of thing where you knew you hated her, but when she busts in, you're like, oh my god, like, like there's more here that I don't understand. Like, she's mm -hmm. acting way stronger than I would expect her to in this situation. Like, yeah. like this is my revenge. Why is she acting this way, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, but then having that get back, and like you were saying, yeah, it pushed me to keep going. I wanted to see how that played out, and it pushed me to keep going through Abby's story, where if it didn't end on that scene, I don't know, I would have. Like, I probably would have kept going, but I wouldn't have that same that same level of motivation. Um, yeah, I'm sure that would have yeah, lost some I, people for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's... I have similar thoughts on the pacing of this game that I do something like near Automata in that I do think the pacing is not the best. But I think that that's kind of a necessary evil. Like, I think because some parts drag and because it forces you to go and play the entire like game again pretty much like or not the entire game but like it forces you to go back to the beginning play with abby and play all those three days again um 
Mm-hmm. I think, yes, that's slow and kind of boring at times, but but without it, that story would really suffer, I think. And I feel the same way about Nier, where it forces you to legitimately play the entire game again, and not in the sense of this, where, oh, you just have to play through these events again. It's like, no, you're playing the whole ass game again. But And it gets boring, but I feel the same way, where, like, that story is so much more impactful and so much more, like, powerful because it forces you to do that. And because of that, I can't necessarily fault the game for that. I think it's just a decision that they really, really ran with, and, and I can kind of respect that personally. But, yeah, I mean, I said it at the beginning. I'll say it again. I think what The Last of Us Part Two is from a writing standpoint is just so impressive on from a AAA standpoint. It's just really not something you see that often, and... I think it's really special because of that. I agree. So, yeah, if you couldn't tell, we really like the story of this game. And uh, <laughs> we are, you know, about 25 minutes into this and only on the first <laughs> award. So let's go on to best gameplay. Ziggy, what was your choice for best gameplay this year? Man, this is going to be a surprise again to absolutely nobody. <laughs> uh, the game I've been raving about since the moment I played the demo, uh, Ultra Kill. Um, this mm. game just like it's impressive in the sense that one person made it but I think beyond being impressive of the scope it is for how it was developed I think it is genuinely one of the best shooters ever made like I think it like Doom Eternal like I said before was my favorite shooter and I think Ultra Kill goes past it and it's like the creativity of its mechanics like in this game, you can shoot a shotgun and then parry your own shells to make those shells, like, explode on impact. Like, the level of, like, tech and skill and, like, mastery that this game allows you is just unlike anything else I've played. Like, that, that's very common in, like, boomer shooters, like, that sort of style of game. Um, and... I think it just does it better than anything else I've played. Like I've talked on like, like I've talked about this game so much on the show. I almost don't want to go too long, but like every weapon just has so much detail in terms of how you can use it. Like it, everything is so multi-purpose. Everything, everything, every single weapon is like a Swiss army knife and like a lot like of you depth. Can use it for so many different things. Yeah. And, and there's so many weapons and the best thing about it, this game isn't even done. Like, this is Act 1 that is out. There's still so much to go. More weapons, more enemies. The way that this game is developed, I think, is awesome. Like, this developer has been putting out every time he's just working on a new level or a new weapon. It's always like, here's more videos out to the public to see what people think. And because of that, there's so much just perfection in this game. Because every time he implements something new, you get that all that audience feedback of like, oh, I don't know about this, or you should try doing this, and then he actually implements it. Mm. Or things like what I was talking about with shotgun teching, where you can like parry your own shots. That was originally a glitch that people were like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Like this adds <laughs> so much depth and skill. And so like he kept it and improved upon it. And I think because of that, like it just absolutely nails what makes a retro fast, like fast-paced shooter fun and does it does it better than something like Doom does? And Doom is a, you know, million-dollar project. It's that, like, hundreds of people working on this thing. Yeah. And I think it's just so insanely impressive and incredible what this game accomplishes. What about you? Well, uh, my game is not that one. <laughs> I, uh, my game is... Uh, I had to choose... So, actually, before I even say it, all of my choices are games I've played. 
Um, I wanted to obviously make sure that that was a thing uh, because, and then I also, um, for this one, for best gameplay, I would have chosen Demon Souls remake, but I didn't want to because it was a remake. And I know that, mm. um, I know it's remake. I know it's, you know, all that, but the core gameplay is actually the same as the original. So <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Um, but um, now that I've given it more thought, actually, I don't think I would have chosen Demon Souls. I would have chosen Ori and the Will of the Wisps. That's my number one choice mm. for this year uh, or for 2020. And that's because that game, it feels so good to play it. Uh, have you played it? I can't remember if I asked you. I played it. I didn't finish it. So like all those different abilities, like having the leaf for gliding, going from gliding to a little like the dodge where you can kind of launch yourself left or right, um, being able to launch yourself off projectiles to kind of stay in the air, just all the different things you can do, uh, just they flow so well together. Um, being able to use a big hammer or a quick slicing sword and uh, the combat is actually really good for <laughs> for a game like that, for like a Metroidvania kind of slasher is what i would call it i don't know um but like you have your bow you have your sword you have your hammer you can equip different things you have like a, a burst move you can have all kinds of different abilities and the way that you can chain them all together and get around the environment really quick and almost like you know snappy movements i feel is so satisfying to play and even some bosses you could stay off the ground just by kind of launching off of the minions that they shoot out or their projectiles and then being able to, you could like basically stay in the air and constantly be attacking a boss. And I just think things like that um, don't work by accident. <laughs> like <laughs> they, people purposefully made all this stuff and then made it all work together so well. And kind of like what you were saying with Ultra Kill, right? Like just being able to use all your abilities in any combination and be able to, Get the result you want is really uh not something you see everywhere you'll see a lot of tools and you can you have to choose one or the other or you can't really make both of them work well together um like i've even used the sword and the hammer in ori which normally you would choose one or the other you go well do i want a slow swinging big heavy you know hammer or do you want a fast slicing sword you can like using both is actually worth it because some enemies are fast some are slow right and do you want to use one of your slots for that so um i don't know i i you actually kind of like i'm not really one to argue my point on really any of these <laughs> i i found there's just a if if what you're saying is true i don't even think you need to say much more i'd be fine with choosing ultra kill i i want to tr give it a try so i just can't say i because i haven't played it but uh i don't know or or he's really good uh ultra kill sounds like it might be better gameplay though uh ori doesn't do a ton of new stuff it just works really well um ultra kill sounds like it's actually doing some new stuff is is what it sounds like to me at least with the yeah, weapons so a lot, it's funny, a lot of what you said about Ori is, like, yeah, it's exactly what I love about Ultra Kill. It's, like, it's mastery and, like, everything works together in this really cool, like, synergy. Um, and I, I actually think Ultra Kill is, a, a lot of what it does is, like, fun spins on old ideas. Like, it's a chain gun, but, like, but now it's a nail gun and it can shoot a magnet and stuff like that. Like, it, it's, it's kind of established shooter tropes, but in really new and interesting ways. Um, and I think, I think Ori and Ultra Kill, 
I feel insane saying this, but are, are very similar in reasons why we like them. Um, even though they're completely different gameplay styles. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I will argue for Ultra Kill. Having, having played both, Ori is also not necessarily as much my kind of game. But I think... I, I, God, I have such a hard time arguing against Ori, though, because what it does is really incredible. Like, I wish, <laughs> I wish they could both win. Um, well, I like going for the, for the small guy, too. Like, it, I mean, right. both of them are mm -hmm. relatively small, but, you know, one is a lot smaller of a, of a mm -hmm. team behind a game, you know? <laughs> and mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, Ultra Kill isn't my type of game. Like, Doom isn't my type of game. Um, but, mm -hmm. um, I like I know the next category or the next award is most innovative but I I think when it comes to gameplay uh innovating and making weapons feel cool and new that you might have originally thought oh it's just a shotgun or it's just you know whatever you were saying you know chain gun or whatever like I would love to be able to play it and go oh I think I know what this is going to do and holy cow it does something totally different you know that's that's a mm -hmm. cool thing and Ori I find is a lot of what you expect but it's just done so well and so I'd still say it's really good gameplay, but it sounds like um, I personally would rather give my award to someone who's doing something totally new or ch you know changing how I view things. So. Well, can't argue that. Also, one last piece to say in Ultra Kill, the pistol stays relevant throughout the entire game, and I think that is an absolute achievement in shooter design because that is that is your first so weapon? Rare. Yeah, like oh, okay. the, the starter pistol you get at the beginning of the game is useful throughout the entire thing. It's like, I think, like a pistol you get at the end of the game, it's the best, <laughs> and it, you can use it all like through the rest of the game. <laughs> but but it's it's so rare that yeah. you play shooters, and that's the case. So I think it deserves a nod for that, with nice. the exception of uh, of Dead Space. That's another one. But yeah, I I will happily give it to Ultra Kill. <laughs> You're cool with that. Uh, all right. Well, next category. Uh, Congrats, Ultra Kill! Yay. <laughs> uh, next category is most innovative game of 2020. Ziggy, what do you choose? Man, another one that's gonna be of absolutely no. And not surprise. why. Just um, what did you choose? <laughs> we'll debate about it. Half Life Alex. Okay. Well, there's no debate there. <laughs> I, that one I didn't <laughs> play, but I've watched enough, and I know I just said I played all these games. <laughs> I totally missed that one, but 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 that one like. I couldn't argue for any other one. When I was thinking it over in my head, I was like, you know what? I've played VR <laughs> and I've played games that are that don't look like they're as good as this. <laughs> and so I just I can very well imagine what it would be like to be able to do all the things that you see you doing in Half-Life Alex. I've watched a, over an hour of gameplay and I feel like I can I've that's enough to be able to say, um this is very innovative, you know? It it doesn't I don't know. I, I don't know what I was going to say. It's just, it was very obvious to me. And I think the thing about Half-Life Alex that makes me say this is it does the same thing that Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2 did, where when you look at shooters, you can easily see which games came out before Half-Life and after Half-Life. Like, it's this really clear distinction of the influence of that game and what it did. And same with Half-Life 2. Like, you look at games that came out pre-2004 and post-2004, and you can totally see like the, the differences in design philosophy and like storytelling and all those things. And I think Half-Life Alex is a really similar thing where when I play VR games that like came out before this, they all feel old. Like it, it made me dislike games that I love 
by playing this game just because it does it so insanely well. Like, playing something like Robo Recall, which came out kind of earlier in the, in the VR cycle, it just feels janky now compared to how Half-Life handles it, you know? And, mm. I, and I loved that game when it came out. I loved that game even, like, well after it came out. I think it aged better than a lot of other VR games that released at the time. But, like, Half-Life Alex just nails things that so many other games failed on. And I think it's, it's definitely worth something for that. Um, but, yeah, glad, glad we don't have to argue that. That's not an easy one. Um, right. Well, yeah. I will talk more about that game later. We'll sneak oh boy way to just blow <laughs> your load uh, no. <laughs> uh best indie game is the next category for us oh you missed it uh best ost what? is the next one what yeah i don't have that no, when i copied you might have added no. that after i'm looking at my copy of your thing oh no i might have copied it over oh. before you added that one well <laughs> <laughs> that's anyway. okay i have an answer i have an answer so go ahead okay <laughs> give me yours so uh my nomination for best ost is going to be final fantasy 7 remake um as someone who has or sorry actually you go and then i'll say my argument oh no i need a second remember i didn't know this was a okay, category okay, okay. <laughs> um okay so as someone who never played the original and doesn't have that level of nostalgia like i'm coming in totally clean and all these tracks are just so incredible like a lot of them feel like they have the same character from the ps1 era that i feel like we don't necessarily see as much in the triple a space these days but it feels new and unique and like like the the and so diverse is what gets me too like so many tracks in this game sound like they're just from different games and i think that's totally worth something like listening to the music in walmart versus the music like near the end of the game it's totally different like one is this cool like kind of like I don't know, like urban jungle type thing, you know, you're in the slums and like the red light district, you know, doing stuff, talking to like these crime lords and it's awesome. And then in another place, it's like, like, God, there's this one, these like sewers you have to go through to get somewhere. It's just kind of a typical like combat section. Um, and I was playing with, with Tesla in the room and, and the battle theme, like I got into combat and it was just this like, just kick ass like techno beats started playing with like this fucking guitar riff underneath it and i was just like oh my god like out loud exclaimed from it because it was just like blew me out of the water with that track like and that happens so often or something mm -hmm. goes on and i start like laughing because it's just so awesome and so cool and and it, it it's just it, it's so good and i i definitely had a hard time picking between this and like Doom Eternal and even The Last of Us just because they're all so insanely different but I think what this does for me over those is it just feels so fresh and even though it is a lot of these songs are just remixes of the original songs like they still feel fresh and maybe that's because I haven't played the original and because they're kind of 90s games or mm -hmm. 90s songs in like a 2000s or to, in a 2020 world um, but it just sounds like nothing else I heard this year and it's it's I, I like it a lot because of that. Right. Uh, what about you? So I have my list of all the games I've played this year, <laughs> and I was looking through them. I was trying <laughs> to remember, and honestly, like I have to keep coming back to Ori. Like I'm putting that mm. one back on there. It and this one I will argue for because first of all, obviously we have very different we have different tastes in different parts of different <laughs> music, right? That's fine. Um, but. I would argue it's much harder for a game to evoke emotion 
um like of a more somber and like or like a caring kind of emotion out of a person than it is to get people to go oh yeah i'm really i'm into this fight you know because i find that happens in a lot of games for me where i'm just like yeah i'm feeling this i'm ready to kick ass or whatever i feel like that happens in just about every game i play um but to be able to make me slow down and go wait and to have a game that doesn't have any like it has some text but most of the storytelling is very just music and you're watching characters do their thing and for me i actually got choked up a couple times playing this game and the music really brought that out in me because if it was silent i 100 percent went to <laughs> and so yeah, yeah and for um the sense of wonder when you're entering a new in different areas right you have your i don't remember the name but there's like the oasis kind of more there's like crystal clear water and shells and you know beachy kind of themed area and it's all very like you know you know people singing in the background but it's very quiet and nice and i'm just like oh this is a nice little like tropical paradise and <laughs> you're just swimming along and then you go down to the depths in the dark areas down below where there's actually i think i remember this name i think it's called molewood depths if I remember right, and there's all the bugs in the foreground and the background with their little limbs twitching and they're dead and it's where all the spiders were and it's all gross and the music just changes and it's very like quiet and the deep tones that just kind of make you go like, ooh, I shouldn't be here and kind of makes you feel that way and then you get back to a different area and you're happy again and I feel like just that yeah. uh, the ups and downs in that game that it can really make you feel like you're in the wrong place or you're in the right place or you know you should feel sad or you should feel happy and and I just kind of got all those different feelings because of the music in that game and not just because of what I saw on the screen and so that's kind of that's a big part of my argument yeah I, I would concede to that I think um I, yeah, I love what you're saying. Like, I think so much of Ori's storytelling is in the music itself. Like, mm. like from what I played of it, the story sections were pretty much no dialogue. Is a lot of just character animation and music, and that was the entirety of the story. And there's a lot like done in the animation, but I think yeah, so much of the emotion in the game is portrayed through almost exclusively its music, and that and that's really, really, really fucking impressive. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I I think you've convinced me. Yeah, I think Ori yes. definitely deserves best soundtrack. Awesome. Now, what do you have for the next category? Because <laughs> uh, so my best uh, best indie, yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's best indie. Yeah. So, okay. um, I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, okay. I chose Mortal Shell as my mm. pick for best indie because. Thinking back to all the indie games I've played this year, and first of all, I wrote down a ton of games that I played this year, or, or, or all the games that I could remember that I played, and mm -hmm. um, out of just the ones that came out this year, I've only played 11. And I was oh, like, wow. holy cow, I played like less than one a month <laughs> of like actually games. Yeah. That, and I remember that, thinking back, I was like, yeah, I think from January until I played, um, it was either Paper Mario or Agami King, or it was The Last of Us Part 2, whichever one came out first. Actually, they might have come out on the same day. Actually, uh, I think they might have. But anyways, I I just, whatever one, um, I think it was The Last of Us Part 2. I borrowed a friend's PS4, and I played that. And then I think it was the next month, actually, that Paper Mario came out. On I think it came out on the same day as Ghost of Tsushima. That's what it was. And, uh, and, and then I played that one. But like those were like, so basically June was the first, like, 
2020 game if you don't count me just like touching the switch once or twice to play animal crossing for taylor <laughs> like that that was it and uh yeah i was just kind of looking at this going wow for me this is why i feel so down on 2020 for like for a amount of games but then i realized a lot of the games mm -hmm. i played this year have been all like from last year or before i've been having a blast playing a ton of like older games so it's kind of tough for me to choose with a lot of these categories because a lot of what i've enjoyed has been older games but mm -hmm. regardless um just went on a rant there for a sec i chose uh, mortal shell for ended for best indie because it was either that or carrion i think <laughs> in terms of like games that came out this year and maybe a couple others but nothing that really stood out and so mortal mm -hmm. shell i obviously i'm a huge souls fan i love dark souls Bloodborne, Sekiro, all that stuff. And uh, these developers did such a crazy good job with this game in terms of um, creating a world and like a lore and, and, and a game that's very similar but still holds its own and does its own thing uh, with the hardening feature. So you can get hard in the game <laughs> by like Yo. basically turning to rock <laughs> and, uh, and or turning to stone, right? And you can do it. And if an enemy hits you, they kind of get staggered for a moment. So then you pop out of that and you hit them and you kind of, you have a parry as well. And you have a lot of similar tools, but they use them in different ways from Dark Souls. And for me, it, I love that. I have had a blast with it. I haven't beaten it though. I'd like to go back and finish the game. But I've had a ton of fun playing it. And just the world that they created, the environment looks incredible. Character designs, enemy designs are all so good. Like their model, their characters are nice. Like they look like they could have been in a Dark Souls game or even like their their quality looks amazing. And then they didn't have mocap, mo right? So they had to keyframe animate everything. And some of those animations are actually very impressive, I find. I I'm very happy with them. So um I don't know. I, I really like this game as my number one um, for best indie. What's yours? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's funny. Both of us picked um, like indie takes on established genres because <laughs> um, my my, oh. my favorite indie game this year is Ultra Kill. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, my arguments would be really, really similar to yours. Like it's an indie team, like it's really small and it just holds its own against, against id. And against mm -hmm. like you know these huge huge in industry giants, um, and and yeah like you said it it takes those formulas and it gives its own spin it adds enough to make itself feel unique and different, while at the same time like it doesn't feel like like it is a budget doom but it doesn't feel like a budget doom it feels like its own game you know, um, and again it's the sort of thing i have a hard time arguing against your pick because our picks are so similar i think in why they're great um but i accept that i would say in your game can you make an angel so mad he says fuck that's my only art that would be my argument against it because that's a pretty cool moment that, that was like the standout <laughs> argument or like that was the standout uh, moment of that game you know uh <laughs> i can't but uh my counter argument is can you get hard right like oh shit you can't you get can't a get hard kill, and, yeah. and i mean if you can't get hard then <laughs> what's the point <laughs> Just really kidding. yeah no yeah. I, I i god it's hard for this one no no Almost Mine's as hard, hard as the character in Mortal Shell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
This could go. Yeah, away. I think. <laughs> I will actually. I want to say real quick the mm-hmm. moment that made me absolutely fall in love with Ultra Kill because it is the final boss of Act One where it's been leading up. You hear rumors of of the story is basically Dante's Inferno, but with this really cool sort of futuristic twist to it. Um, and in terms of setting, at least like you're something you're going down the. oof down the nine circles of hell um and things you know it's the different things so in the final one you know it's in this chapter at least it's it's gluttony and there's all these weird like mouths Mm -hmm. and stuff and you hear like this booming voice talking to you throughout and it's gabriel like the the archangel um and it's this really interesting spin on it where you end up fighting him. he's like go back you're not wanted here like you don't know what you're doing and then you end up fighting him like an archangel like a messenger of god and just this feeling of like I am so like, out of my league or something. This shit here. Yeah, like, yeah. This is insane. Like I am genuinely fiddling with like the divine right now mm. and it just feels batshit. And then eventually, yeah, you start fighting him and he gets more and more pissed at you to eventually you defeat him. He's like, you insignificant fuck. And he just gets so pissed <laughs> and like freaks out. And he has like this big cutscene <laughs> about he's like, like shamed and goes into like heaven. And it's like this crazy, like, it's awesome. I could talk about it forever and like the music with it. And no at kidding. that moment and I was like, this is so kick ass. While I I just have to say you froze right when you were saying fuck and it was really funny. <laughs> um <laughs> so you gotta watch that back. It was, it was hilarious. Um your passion for that game, uh y- your your hard on for this game is way harder than my character <laughs> in my in in Mortal Shell. So let's just let's just say Let's go with the uh, let's go with uh, Ultra Kill as our best indie because yeah you're that, yeah. Uh, definitely more passionate about it than I, I am about Mortal Shell. While I do respect it, I I still would rather read Dark Souls. And it sounds like you all you would almost maybe prefer Ultra Kill over Doom. It's God. It is so tight. When so when we <laughs> get to it, my my top five. I had to choose putting one over the other, and mm. my top five for the record are all like. The margin of difference between them is like a millimeter. And choosing whether I like Doom Eternal or Ultra Kill more is so hard. Because... Okay, well, let's get right into that, case. Okay? So we're going to say Ultra Kill was best indie. What's your top yeah. five of the year? Okay, and end so on your game of the year. My my list is number five is Doom Eternal. Number four is Final Fantasy VII. Number three is Ultra Kill. Oh. Number two is The Last of Us 2. And number one is Half-Life Alex. Um, oh, wow. And so, yeah. So Doom Eternal is actually ranked two places below ultra kill and part of that is because final fantasy 7 i like for totally different reasons than both of them and i personally thought it just stood out to me more than doom eternal did um but yeah no ultra kill and doom eternal they just do different things like i think the achievement of doom eternal is its pacing and that Mm. A lot of people weren't a big fan of the puzzles and the platforming in that game, but I think it added so much in terms of, like, the combat in these types of games is legitimately exhausting when you play it for more than a couple hours at a time. And that's why, like, playing Ultra Kill on, like, its hardest difficulty right now, I'll play it for, like, an hour and be like, well, that's I'm good for right now, because mm. it's, like, I'm it's legitimately exhausting. And so what Doom Eternal does so well is it tires you out, and it goes, all right, let's take a breath. And then lets you platform for a bit, lets you go find some secrets and just like chill out and take a breather for a moment and then just jump right back into the thick of it. And I think it handles that pacing so well. Right. But in terms of like 
core moment-to-moment gunplay, I think Ultra Kill is better, which is more important to me personally, so I ranked it higher. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, Half-Life Alex, all that's my my champion, my nomination. Um, I think I've talked about all the other games on this list, so um, you give me your list, and then let's let's freaking put on our like brass knuckles and duke it out. Alrighty, so my number five is Cyberpunk. I did not like it as much as I <laughs> think it should. I don't put it as high as I think um, I was originally going to. Um, my number four that is going to be Wasteland 3. Mm. My number three is going to be Ori in the World of Wisps. My number two is going to be Demon Souls Remake. And my number one is going to be The Last of Us Part 2. Awesome. Yeah. I, to be honest, if we make The Last of Us 2 our game of the year, I would not be upset at all. <laughs> I mostly put Half-Life Alex at the top of my list because it is at the top of my list and also because I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because... We, we've been going to spoilers. I'm going to go into spoilers yep. right now for Half-Life Alex because I think it's crucial to talking about why this game is important. Because beyond what I've said about how this game innovates and I think makes VR a legitimate genre of games and makes them not just arcade experiences but something that can be a linear storytelling experience, I think that's worth a lot. But what I think is more important is that Half-Life Alex takes one of the most important franchises in gaming, my personal favorite franchise in gaming, and a franchise that was stuck in limbo for 13 years and makes it a viable franchise to make games in again and fixes that story in a way that allows developers to do something with it. Because at the end of Half-Life 2, Episode 2, it's the infamous cliffhanger. You know, Eli dies... They're saying, let's go get the Borealis. All that happens, cuts to credits. You hear Alex crying. And then we never see what happens for 13 years. And then what Half-Life Alex does is it's a prequel, but at the end, it addresses that ending. It, you, you know, you're saving, the, you go into the vault with a super weapon. You learn that that super weapon is Gordon Freeman. And then you go, that's weird. And then eventually you go in and you realize it's not Gordon Freeman, it's G-Man. And then... You talk to him, he does his, twirls his fucking mustache and does his shit and then goes like, thanks for freeing me, you did cool, and I'm going to give you basically like, grant you a wish, like a <laughs> genie. Um, he's like, I'll let you nudge something in the timeline. And then uh, she's like, I want to get the combine off Earth. He's like, no, I can't do that, that's too big. And then he's like, what if I give you something that you don't even know that you want and then shows you in full stunning HD in VR, that scene of Eli dying again, which is a scene that, to me, is so important, and, like, immediately crying. I'm immediately crying as soon as I see this, because, like, I did not think I would see this again. It's so power powerful to me, both on, like, a narrative perspective and also just, like, holy shit, this is actually happening. And, and he goes, like, you can stop this, and gives you the power to save Eli, and, and you do it, and it's the sort of thing where it takes this seminal scene and then says actually we're gonna change that which is both fucking brave and so impressive that they did that without me rolling my eyes and like oh my god are you serious but what that does is they've sort of forged their own timeline they forged their own path that they can go where 
before, if someone tried to make Half-Life 3, it would be different writers, different developers, a whole different team. They would basically be making someone else's game, you know? And that's not really fair to them and would probably result in a worse product. But they've managed to make the series their own in a way that really, really works, I think. And and then after that, like, it's the sort of thing where you go back, Alex has sort of been, like, zapped away from space-time after doing that. And then there's Eli, and you're Gordon again. You're in Gordon's suit, and Eli's like, all right, Alex is missing. We need to go find her. And then hands you the crowbar, and you grab the fucking crowbar, and it makes the Half-Life sound. And then, like, I just sat on my floor and thought for so long, like, this changes everything. And the fact that this franchise can live again just means so much to me. And that said, ha- like, The Last of Us 2, in terms of a game, not just, like, a really, really personal and biased experience to me specifically, I would argue probably should be our game of the year. But Half-Life Alex, in terms of what it accomplishes and what that story does, and that's completely ignoring, like, the Jeff chapter, which is, one, in my opinion, one of the best designed levels I've ever played, and, like, the level design and the combat, which, while simple, I think is so effective and so fun. And even outside of that, the modding community, like, Source Filmmaker 2, which has allowed so many weird things to happen and, like, all these things. Now, like, essentially Gary's Mod 2 is being developed, and I can't wait for that because oh, that's like, cool. it's awesome. It's, it's doing what Half-Life 2 did again, where it's allowing this new generation of creativity and just, like... There's so much that speaks to me on a personal level about this game that will make it the top of my list. Like like I said when it came out, there's like nothing can top this, no matter what it is, no matter how good it is. Like this is Half-Life Alex and nothing will really be able to top that. Um but yeah, like you can make your argument about The Last of Us too, if you would like. Yeah, and I again I'll make my argument, but I fully understand. Like I know your perspective on it. I know you I know you love mm-hmm. The Last of Us Part Two as well and and that uh, you just really want to talk about Half Life Alex and give it a shot yeah, right yeah. here, right? Like, I am uh, putting on the brass knuckles though <laughs> and saying, <laughs> "Yeah, that's all cool and stuff." But uh, without me just tell, without just telling me the story, <laughs> telling me spoilers, I like how is that gonna make it the game of the year? You know, the game that mm-hmm. uh, I mean. All you can really, all I can really say about that one, um, as someone who hasn't played, is like, oh, the tech is interesting. That's why I would want to try it out. But I don't not, I do not hear people talking about it. I do not hear people talking about it anymore. Um, at least not, mm. not as much as I would have hoped. Um, mm-hmm. Then to get on the side of The Last of Us Part Two, a lot of, a lot of things for me push this to be the game of the year for me. Game of the Year is something that pushes the games industry. Half-Life Alex does do that in terms of tech and what you can do in VR and stuff like that. That's a, There's a lot there. Um, the Last of Us Part Two does a lot with facial animation, does a lot with audio design, does a lot with accessibility, does a lot with difficulty modes. I know that could be accessibility as well, but I guess I'm more talking like um, for mm-hmm. disabled you know different disabilities and stuff like that right but mm-hmm. then you go to like just purely on difficulty they added in the the uh, grounded difficulty that i've been playing lately and just the fact that you oh, can yeah. the certain settings that they like lock and turn off that you can't turn it back on but then they still give you some flexibility like the fact mm. that you can go grounded and it's like insanely hard but then you go to accessibility mode 
as well and you can still turn off certain ai uh tendencies like mm -hmm. oh they're not going to flank you still it's like oh but i'm still playing on this really hard difficulty but enemies aren't going to flank Success. you now or certain you know uh, easier to aim still or whatever you know the, the fact that they have so many interchangeable settings and just that i think is going to push the games industry forward and this should be a standard this should be something that we all that you know most games have if not all of them right um when it comes to storytelling, when it comes to gameplay, I actually found the upgrades really cool. I found that being able to see Ellie attaching them herself instead of it just being mm -hmm. a thing that goes, yep, got the scope. I got my <laughs> extra magazine. Like, I'm, yep, and it's come out, of, come out of your menu and your character's just holding it. Like, where did that stuff come from? <laughs> I, I just loved that interactive, um, the way everything was like, you were doing it. You were there. You're along for the ride and you're in the game. Um, not every game is like that, so I understand. Like, that's not, I'm gonna, it's not gonna relate to everything. Like, you can't have Katana Zero <laughs> doing that, but, but, yeah, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Like, when I'm talking about games and what, like, the, the limits are for what you expect out of a video game, this pushed what my limits or what my, my expectations were for a top level video game. It really pushed it mm -hmm. for me. And, um, and I think that it pushed it for a lot of people and whether people liked the game or not, or didn't, or liked the way the story was going or didn't, um, the fact is, I think even without the controversy, I think this game would have been talked about just as much. Mm -hmm. I think, um, it just would have been more positive. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, no, I, I am all for the last of us part two being a game of the year and everything you said rings true. Like, even apart from the story, yeah. I mean, one one thing I feel like people don't talk about enough is the gameplay in this game is really fun. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is. The stealth in this game is really, really good. Um, like, the thing that gets me about the stealth in the game is the fact that when you go around a corner and enemies stop seeing you and they don't have fucking x-ray vision. <laughs> like, in so many stealth games, like when I was playing Cyberpunk after playing this, I like, they kept feeling weird to me where like i'd break their line of sight but they still like every enemy in the area knew exactly where i was down to the millimeter <laughs> well there you know? is some like that makes sense though with the hacking stuff oh it i can does, see through but well. it's still like <laughs> i know what you mean i know what you mean goofy and like in yeah. other games like it just kind of almost like made that experience less good for me because mm -hmm. it feels so natural like dipping in and out of stealth where then they're searching for you and then you hit a guy like because you go in out in out of like the alert state and it's so much fun and like the nope. shooting for what it is like is loose and weird and janky but at a very intentional like it, it serves such a purpose and it's very intentional like it's supposed to be loose it's supposed to be weird and floaty because it's like it makes you miss shots it's more realistic necessarily feel yeah, yeah. well it's yeah totally you're not and gonna have your hand absolutely still pointing your gun at somebody all like, the time like yeah you just did a front roll and then you stand up and you're like i'm right back in that spot that i know it's gonna be in like it's not like that in real life <laughs> they're just trying to be more real totally. I, I agree with you i think the yeah. going into prone was such a great add to the game like mm -hmm. just That's being cool. able to like oh shoot turn around dive down crawl under the truck or something like that just mm -hmm. so cool love it yeah there's so many good parts so are we uh are we in agree yeah um, agreement i yeah i think so um, the next thing, if, if your list is outdated, then this probably isn't on there, but I think it's worth giving some honorable mentions for just games we played this year that we thought were great and we want to mention, but like, aren't necessarily worthy of winning any of these awards. Oh, I thought that's um, what our top five was. That's. <laughs> oh no. It's just like, like for me, um, my 
two honorable mentions that I've listed down. Mm. One is Post Void, which I've talked on here, and I think that game was just so weird and different yeah. and unlike anything else I've played that it is totally um, worth an honorable mention. And again, it's like $2, so cheap. Go play it. Support indie devs. Um, another is Yoxa 7, which I think for what it is really flew under the radar in a way that's yeah. a little bit disappointing to me um, because it is fucking good. Like, the only reason I think it's not nominated for some of these categories is, like, best story, by the time I finish it, I could see it maybe not winning over The Last of Us 2, but having a solid shot. Um, and, yeah, it's it's incredible. I think it does so many things with its themes and even its gameplay. Like, now that I'm getting deeper into it, it's really, really fun. And at the end of the day, it is, like, a Yakuza game, but I think it's so different from previous Yakuza games and does so many things just... It's just nice, and mm-hmm. it's a really pleasant game. Like, it's a game about solving, solving problems through the power of friendship sometimes, and it's cheesy, but it's also, like, really sincere and just nice and pleasant to play. Yeah. And I think... I, I wish more people were talking about it. Um... Another one that I didn't really talk about on the show, but it's an itch game I played on stream a while ago, like an itch.io game called Discover My Body that I thought was really interesting, hmm. where it's like a, another free like 15-minute horror game about like a scientist that, or like a professor that's like allowing you to like research him as he gets like absorbed by some fungus or something. And it's really bizarre. And Whoa. Really funny, but... <laughs> But it's it's really, really interesting. Definitely worth a play. Hmm. Um, and the last one, I forget if this came out this year or not, which is exactly what I am looking up right now. Um, but uh, let's assume it did. Um, World of Horror is a really, 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 really cool horror game also. Um, it's kind of like D&D in style of gameplay in that it's a lot of like rolling dice and upping your stats, but... It's this cool, like, really Lovecraftian or, like, Junji Ito-inspired horror game where it's all sorts of, like, elder gods and weird psychological stuff is going down. But it's it, it's awesome. Also, definitely worth a check out. Um, yeah, do you have anything you want to chat out from this year? Uh, just, a, just a couple. Um, I definitely, like, I think Astro's Playroom has had you know, a lot of spotlight, but I do think mm-hmm. it's still, like, it needs to be said, that game is fantastic. It's a mm-hmm. really solid, you know, three, four hours, and Taylor loves it, and she's not someone who likes to play video games, so I think that's mm-hmm. worth worth mentioning, because, you know, she, she just likes having fun and likes to be able to be instantly in the game, and that thing lets you just instantly travel between levels, she's tired of that world, can't select the other level, warp in, warp out, or warp out, warp in, <laughs> and then you're you're mm-hmm. ready to go, right? And, and I, I think that one's worth mentioning as, like, don't sleep on it. Seriously, if you get a PS5, play through it. Play through all the levels. You don't have to collect all the things, but you know it's it's actually worth playing through each world, every level. All adds something new and different to do with the controller, and it's super fun. Um, my other one, I already had it on my top five list, but that's because I've only played like eleven games from twenty twenty. <laughs> um, and uh, that's Wasteland Three. Still an incredible game, like. I look forward to when I'm having that itch to go back and play it um, mm-hmm. cuz I know I'm going to have a blast playing through that game again and probably it'll probably be even more stable than it was when I played it. Um it wasn't terrible, but I know it did crash a couple times. And 
yeah, that game is just really, really solid. It, I was looking today and let's see here real quick. Sorry, I did have it up, but um, yeah, Wasteland 3 on PC, uh, it, on Metacritic, it's at an 85. And to just like explain or just to compare that, <laughs> Cyberpunk on PC is at an 86. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I just thought was funny for Cyberpunk, but I like it's um it's a solid game and clearly a lot of people think so and I wasn't someone who liked that kind of genre or I didn't think I did and now I'm way more open to it because of this game and if you like Fallout that's awesome and you like um story you know focused RPGs I think you'd really like this game don't worry about what kind of genre it is so given how much you liked it no. do you think you would go back and play wasteland one or two because no. both of those aren't game pass no okay that's fair I, I did think about it but uh just watched like a short bit of gameplay from both and i think they are more different to the point where there's a lot of features added to three that i would just expect to be there that they won't have in one and two and it would actually feel yeah, like a yeah. worse game so mm -hmm. yeah I'd rather just replay three. <laughs> it makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's about it then. Mm -hmm. Do you have uh, anything you want to plug before we uh, end the episode today? I don't think so. I might soon. I Ooh. will say that I might have Classic. something to plug soon. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Soon. I feel like I say that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had some stuff I'm thinking about, some stuff I'm working on, some stuff I'm like, I've been talking to people, I've been making connections, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see. Nice. Well, then I'll just, uh, say that I am still streaming, uh, Dead Space 2 on my Twitch channel. So you can check that out at Nickelobe. Um, I'm at Nickelobe just about everywhere. And obviously you're on the channel. So you have all those links available in the description and, all that stuff uh you can check out ziggy with all of the links in the description as well um i will be playing through bloodborne next once i'm done with darks or not i keep almost saying dark souls every single time dead space 2 <laughs> when i'm done with dead space 2 i'm going into bloodborne um because i really want to play that game like i'm really in the mood to play some some uh bloodborne and uh play it on the ps5 we'll see it's not it doesn't run much better it just stays at a stable 30 mm -hmm. which is nice and uh the dlc has in my opinion, uh, some of the best boss music in all of the Souls games. Like, there's two tracks That's in there awesome. that I really like. So um, I'm very excited to go back through those. And um, yeah, other than that, I'm just trying to, you know, start this new year with a lot more content, you know, trying to focus on being somewhat regular. I don't, I can't, it's so hard to have a schedule right now, but I'm trying to get to that point where I can be like reliably there for all of you at you know, 2.30 on Tuesday or whatever it is, you know, and uh, whether it's a stream or a video that just comes out that day, try to have something available at least every second day. So, yeah. With all that being said, thanks for watching, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, and keep peeking that screen. Yeah. I just gotta need to say that now. Keep screening that peek. <laughs>